Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. It's a birth story episode and it's one that fits well in our current times. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a practicing board-certified OBGYN who's had the privilege of helping hundreds of moms bring their babies into this world. I'm here to help you be knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 65. Thank you for being here with me today. On today's episode, we have a birth story, and although this particular birth story did not happen in the midst of COVID-19, it could 
easily describe a birth that is happening now. So I chose this story because I wanted to help you get a sense that although things are different during our current times, so much about birth is still the same. So on today's episode, we have Amy Cole. Amy lives in Maine with her husband and son, And she's a middle school counselor. She loves the outdoors, hiking, swimming, camping, whitewater rafting. And Amy shares her experience of having a vaginal birth in the hospital. Overall, she is very happy with her experience. However, as is the case with birth, some things went great, some things were not as great. So Amy shares her story of how her water broke at 39 weeks during a prenatal appointment after she was checked in the office, like her water broke on the exam table. She talks about how she was able to stick to what she felt was right for her during her labor and birth. And then she also talked about the parts that were not as great, including a not-so-perfect epidural and having an episiotomy done without consent. So you are going to learn a lot from Amy's story. Now, before we get to Amy's story, don't forget about my free online class on how to make a birth plan. It's recently been updated to reflect changes in giving birth related to COVID-19. Over one thousand women have registered for this class just in the last month. And I have been blown away by the responses of how helpful women have told me that it is via Facebook comments or direct messages or emails. And I've been really, really grateful for all of that. I am here to serve and I am here to help women have a beautiful birth. So I'm so glad that I'm able to provide this great free resource for you to help you make a birth plan that works for you to help you have that beautiful birth, even in the midst of these crazy times. So definitely check out that free class. It's ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. All right, let's get into today's episode with Amy. So thank you so much, Amy, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am super excited to have you share your birth story today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? So I grew up in New Jersey, um, but I now live in central Maine because I went to college here. I met my husband at the University of Maine in Orno and then just stayed. And then we... Okay, see, I have never been like, that sounds cold to me. Is it cold? (laughs) Yeah, it is. I don't... I mean... Yeah, it's pretty cold up here. This winter wasn't too bad. So, (laughs) but normally, yeah, every winter you kind of think like, why do I live here? And then the summers are really, really nice. So every summer I was always like, oh, I love it here. I'm going to stay. And then, I don't know, I just got sucked in every year and I've got married. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my husband's from Northern Maine. So he's always lived here. And so here we are. Okay. And then we just had our first kid last May, Conrad, and we have a dog and a cat. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Do you work outside the home at all? Um, I'm a middle school counselor. God bless you. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a calling, I would say, for people who work with 
children, especially middle schoolers, I think are the most challenging kind of age group. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know at least that was when I was a little bit of a troublemaker when I was in middle school. So (laughs) I always tell my students I didn't really like middle school, but, you know, I made it. (laughs) So will they. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, how about we just hop right in then into your story? Let's talk about before, you know, I, I like to hear about birth stories, of course, but I think in order to understand the birth, we got to understand a little bit about uh, the pregnancy. So what was your pregnancy like? What was your prenatal care like? Uh, it was a pretty easy pregnancy. Um, where So when you work at a school, I don't know, maybe you've heard this before. I, a lot of us time it to like so that our we try to time it so that we can have our kid and then back it up at end, into summer. <laughs> so we have this. Like, I have definitely heard that baby. before. Yeah. So we, my husband and I, definitely were trying really hard to like have to conceive at a certain time so that I could have this like longer maternity leave, and somehow we nailed it. It was like perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I found out I was pregnant at the beginning of September in two thousand. 18. And yeah, it was pretty easy. Um, I, I feel like nothing really significant happened. Okay. I, my OBGYN office is like a group. So I, I saw like a kind of a different doctor every week. I think there's, I want to say there's like four of them and I liked all of them. So they just made sure like every appointment they made sure I had, I saw a different person more or less each doctor like two or three times so that I could like get comfortable with each of them. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, I I thought that was fine. I guess I didn't really know any different. This, you know, my first baby and all. So I thought that worked out. <laughs> yeah. So you got a chance to meet all of the different doctors in the practice and kind of get a feel for, cause it could, they told you up front that it could be any one of them right. who was there. Yeah. Gotcha. And how did you feel about the care you received? I mean, I thought it was great. I was very happy with that office. Everyone was always super friendly. I know I've heard people say they don't get a lot of time with their doctor. I guess since probably because my pregnancy was so uneventful, I just didn't feel like more time. And and they never like rushed me out or anything. They always were like, what can I help you with? What kind of questions do you have? And I was always like, I don't know. I'm good. (laughs) So... I thought it went really well. <laughs> good, 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 good. So did you do anything in particular to like get ready for birth or during your pregnancy, like read books or take classes oh, yeah. or any of that stuff? Okay. <laughs> I definitely read books and just scoured the internet. And we took one class at the hospital that was like a one day, like six hour long kind of workshop thing which was pretty good. And how how did you, how did you, I guess, how'd you like it? How'd you feel about it? Um, And did you have any expectations going into the class? Maybe. I guess I didn't really know what to expect. The only like, so when they, their description of it advertised that they were going to give you a tour of the birth center, which I realized I could have just done anyway, but I was like, Oh, I really want a tour of the birth center. So for me, that seemed like the selling point. But then I was like, well, we should also probably do a birthing class. So my husband and I went and it was just like, I want to say like nine or 10 couples around the table. And they showed us a lot of videos of people giving birth and how they dealt with labor. And I, I appreciated that they showed like 
kind of one of every type of, like there was someone who had a C-section, someone who chose to not have any drugs of any kind, someone who did have an epidural, someone who used like intravenous drugs of whatever sort. Okay. Uh, So they showed like a little, one of each and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I thought that was good. And the nurse who put on the class told like her personal story, which I really appreciated because I feel like she, I don't remember all the details, but I feel like she had a unique like birthing experience and then she had postpartum psychosis, which was oh really interesting. I never heard of anyone having that. So she told us about that. So I liked that. <laughs> right, right, right. And it, really didn't scare, and it didn't scare you. Did it, it scare you at all? It scare me. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the beginning of my pregnancy, I don't know wh- why I was worried about this, but I told my, like, my husband, I was really worried about postpartum depression. He was like, do you think you're going to get it? And I was like, I don't know, but people get it. <laughs> and so I, I definitely was worried about it, but I don't know why. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can understand it's, it's, it's a real, you know, concern. So I can totally see being worried about it. And I listened, there's another podcast I listened to. My cousin's good friend does it and she had postpartum depression and talked about it on her podcast. So I was like, oh my God, this is like a thing. It could happen to anybody. (laughs) And it comes out of nowhere, sort of, I don't know, that's, that's kind of the information that I thought I got. So gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you were going to be ready if it did happen. <laughs> I was trying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor. This message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. And then what what kind of books did you read? And I'm curious what you did, like internet stuff or Facebook groups or any of that kind of stuff. Oh my God, I did go on Facebook groups those were kind of crazy. <laughs> okay. I can hear it in your voice. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Facebook mom groups, but they get pretty uh, wild. <laughs> really? There's some that are like, I was in a couple, I don't, I was literally just trying to get as much information as I possibly could. And so there's some that are kind of labeled as like more supportive. And then some that are like, I don't remember the exact term, but like basically uncensored and people just seem to get mean on those. <laughs> oh, like a lot of mom shaming and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that's not helpful. Yeah. So I am no longer in those Facebook. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I really liked Emily Oster's books, Expecting Better, right? And then I also bought Crib Sheet, the other one that she had. And I like those because I, I like how those were kind of just like data with like a little bit of her opinion in there, but kind of like, I'm yeah, just giving you the information very to make your own choice. 
So I liked that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So out of all the things you did, you found like her books were helpful. Was there anything else that you found particularly there was helpful? A website Alpha Mom that I liked. Whoever runs that website, she posted um, like a week by week, like what you can be expecting in pregnancy situation and like her own experience, but it was really relatable and I like how she wrote it. So every time I'd like check it every week and be like, yes, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> so I, I liked that website. I think that was about it. Someone gave me one of those like classic what to expect when you're expecting books, but I kind of just browsed it. And then I also, oh, someone gave me like one of those girlfriend's guides to pregnancy, which I, I read like some of it and I did like some of that one, but my favorite was the Emily, Emily Oster's books. Okay. Okay. I have to confess. I have not read those and they're on like my to-do list to read because I've heard some people say that they do, they do like them. Yeah. Yeah. She basically just presents a lot of data, which I think it is more helpful than someone just being like, this is what I think. Right, right, right. Yeah, (laughs) kind of letting people draw their own conclusions. Yeah. Now, was there anything in particular that you felt like you wanted for your birth? Like, were you looking for information to support a specific experience or you just were kind of getting all the stuff you wanted, all the information you could, I guess? Yeah, um, I was pretty open. Like when we got... A, just a, we got like a piece of paper, like a form from the hospital that was like like a birth plan where you basically could just like select choices. And I mean, they said you could bring any sort of birth plan you wanted, or you could just use their form or you could have nothing, whatever you wanted. And so I pretty much walked in there just being like, Hey, the only thing I really care about is a, that we get the baby out safely. And I wanted an epidural. <laughs> okay. So you knew from the beginning that you wanted an epidural. Yeah. I did have a moment where I was like, oh, I want to just do this all natural. And my husband was kind of like, but why? (laughs) And and so we talked about it and I was like, yeah, I guess I like, I, I think it's really amazing. Like when women give birth without uh, any sort of intervention like that, but eventually we kind of came to the conclusion. I was like, I don't really feel super passionate about it. It just like sounded cool. And then I was like, I'm kind of a baby. I am afraid of how much pain this will be. And so, and I, I didn't, I wasn't opposed to an epidural. So we, we discussed it and settled on like, yeah, let's, let's get an epidural. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. And which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Did you feel like you had any pushback been any from any friends or family or anything about that decision or it was easy to get to? I don't know. I feel like maybe I put off this vibe, at least with my friends and family that like, don't question me because nobody does <laughs> usually ever. <laughs> so, <no. laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad you were because some it's it's you know I swear people get pushback sometime either way whatever yeah. choices they make. So, that's um, so that's true. great. That, yeah, yeah. What about stuff like delayed cord clamping or skin to skin contact? Yeah. Oh, that was like standard at our birth center. So, which was stuff that I wanted, but I was you know, not super worried about it because it all was like their common practice. So gotcha. that was like, and was this, was this a freestanding birth center or a no, birth center within a hospital? It was affiliated with, it was in a hospital. Yeah. Okay. Did they have a separate L and D or did they just call their labor and delivery a birth center? Um, I guess it, they just called it a birth center. Okay. No, no, no. It's totally fine. I'm just curious what different models are. Like there's some hospitals that have like what's called like a separate birth 
center for like low intervention, low risk oh, people. Okay. Yeah. And then like the regular L and D has other stuff. So oh, just... yeah. Okay. No, that was their only okay. L and D like area. They had, yes. I think it, I want to say like 10 rooms and they had in the, within that area, there were rooms for C-sections and then lower intervention rooms, like on the same wing. And it was in the hospital, but kind of like you can get to it through the hospital, but it was um, kind of separate. It's a really small hospital. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. But they tried to make it feel like not quite so hospitally, it sounds. Yeah, I think they did a good job. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, like I was yeah. at like a hotel. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. I think that's how birth should, because it's like, it's not a disease. Right. <laughs> it's a normal medical thing. So, well, why don't we talk about what your labor and birth was like? Yeah. So this is what I think was, I don't know. I just hadn't heard this happening before, but basically when I was 39 weeks pregnant, I went in for my 39 week checkup and at 38 weeks, they offered to do a cervical check and and they did. And I think, I don't know, I was like one centimeter dilated, maybe, I don't, you know, something kind of insignificant. And after that, at 38 weeks, I think my mucus plug started to come out like over the next week. And so I was like, oh, what did she do up there? <laughs> <laughs> and then the following week at 39 weeks, I got another cervical check. And I think she said I was like, 70% effaced already, but still only like maybe one or one and a half centimeters dilated. And so it was my doctor and she had an intern with her and they left the room and we're like, okay, you could get your clothes back on and we'll see you next week if, if not sooner. And I was like, okay, great. And so when I got up off of her table, my water broke <laughs> except for oh, I, th I mean like I think she okay. broke my water when she gave me a cervical check so I stood up and it just like leaked out <laughs> oh and I was alone in the room at that point and I was like oh right. what do I do <laughs> like uh hello like <laughs> so I like just stood there for a sec because it was like kind of a steady trickle <laughs> And I looked around, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, just try to put my clothes back on so I could hobble out into the hallway and, and ask for somebody. And luckily the like receptionist had um, a window right diagonal from the room. So I stuck my head out. I was like, um, can I, can I get like the, like a nurse or the doctor back in here just real quick? <laughs> I think I might've even said like, I think my water broke and they were like, oh yeah, of course. So the doctor and her intern like rushed back in and she was like, I don't think I've done that before. <laughs> so it's like, it seems like she probably like broke my water on accident. Gotcha. And tested, was, she, like, was it particularly aggressive with, or was it like a painful check? I, mean, did it I thought it was, kind of painful but I you know I, I thought they were supposed to be <laughs> because it was the week before too <laughs> like it feels like right I don't know yeah and she like tested the like fluid to make sure and was like yeah yep I, I broke your water you're okay. staying and I had like come straight from work like my car was in the parking lot I had like my lunch box from work in my car which I just thought funny because it ended up staying there for five days <laughs> so I texted my husband like in the uh, room while I was waiting for the doctor to come. She had like left the room for a second. I was like, hey, so like my water broke and I have to stay here. <laughs> and it was 
probably like 3.30 in the afternoon and he works like an hour away from where, from the hospital. And so he just dropped everything, had to drive down. We had, our dog was at doggy daycare. He had to pick up the dog. He had to pick up my bag at home, and like run all these errands. But there wasn't really a hurry because I wasn't really in labor yet. <laughs> and so my OB's office was also attached to the hospital. So they just had me walk just right up to the birth center and check in, which is another reason why it felt like a hotel. Because when I first got there, I was, I wasn't in labor. I just, so I just like got comfy, put on the TV. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was how it started. Okay. Did they give you the option at all of going home and coming back? No, she didn't. I mean, she didn't suggest that. And I, I think I just got like immediately nervous, like, oh my God, this is happening. So I was like, just tell me what to do. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I didn't even okay. think like I probably had a little time. I just was like, okay, yep, I'm going right up. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. I can imagine that felt like what what's going on? Like what, like you probably run your head through the various, you know, run the <laughs> scenarios through your head of what's going to happen, how it's going to start. And like none of it involved that. Yeah, no, I for sure. Um, I mean, I have, I guess I imagined traditionally, like I would start having contractions. At, I actually kind of uh, just thought I would have them at work. This That was like my fear. <laughs> and I would have to go up to like one of my bosses and be like, hey, I'm in labor. Got to go. <laughs> so, I mean, that wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But I just was like, oh, I just really just don't want to be at work when I go into labor. I want to be at home. And well, it was neither. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the hospital or you get to the birth center yeah. and get settled in. So then what happens from there? Um, so then they were talking about inducing me because they, I get, what is it? Like, I don't know. They didn't want a certain amount of, I think, I think they were giving me 12 hours before my like cut off. But then they were going to make me like get induced. But they were like, do you want us to induce you because you're not really in labor and, you know, your water broke. So you'll, you'll have to be induced if you don't go into labor. And I was like, well, can we just wait? Like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. And I have no idea why I felt so confident that I didn't need to be induced. But I remember just thinking like, no, I'm good. Like, I, it, I'll go into labor. It's fine. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, that's not a bad bet. I mean, about half of women will and within six hours after their water breaks. But then after that, we don't have a whole lot of data. So it's not, it wasn't, your instinct wasn't off. I mean, I didn't even know that. But yeah, so my my husband finally gets there. He's kind of like trying to listen to the doctor. And he's like, well, maybe you should get induced. And I was like, no, nah, let's wait. And they were like, all right, that's cool. You can wait. But if if you're not like having any contractions by like four in the morning, we're going to have to induce you. And I was like, okay, that sounds fair. That's fine. So I, they kept checking on me or, you know, checking the baby, everything was fine. And then let, and I, you know, so I, I got in there at like three 30. I don't, I did start to get contractions at night, but it was like probably like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And they were like pretty light. So the nurse would check on me and I was like, yeah, no, I feel something. They're like, okay, but you're talking, you're good. Like it must be pretty small. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. And she was, they were like, you should probably try to get some sleep because you're probably having a baby tomorrow. And I was like, yep. <laughs> and then 
I don't even remember if I fell asleep, but they like the contractions progressively got much more aggressive <laughs> to the point where I was like, I'm not sleeping. This hurts. <laughs> and my husband was trying to sleep on like the little cot thing. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like in pain. But despite the video where they show you like, get up, walk around, bounce on a ball. I just wanted to like lay there <laughs> and like, I don't know, just wait for it to pass every time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. And eventually the nurse came in and was like, huh, like you, it seems a lot worse now. Like (laughs) you seem like you're in pain. I was like, yep. (laughs) When can I get an epidural? (laughs) And so at around sometime in the middle of the night, I don't know, it was probably like three in the morning. I think the doctor who was on call then, who's one of the male doctors, which is, I had no problem with that, except I swear he has bigger hands because when he went to check me, I was like, oh my God oh my, it hurt way more than either of the other doctors that had done it. Um, But apparently I was all of a sudden seven centimeters dilated. Okie dokie then. So (laughs) indeed you have been laboring. The doctor was like, wow, that was, wow. Like he just seemed like amazed that I like went into labor on my own quickly and then kind of accelerated to seven centimeters dilated. (laughs) And he was like, well, you're going to have a baby soon. I was like, yeah, so that epidural. <laughs> right. Like, uh, can you do that? Because please find the person who can. So luckily they called in the anesthesiologist. There was another woman in labor right like in the room next to mine, I guess. And they were hitting her first. And I was like, okay. So they're like, yeah, we have to give you that. Like they have to give you, what is it? Saline first. They're like, well, you have to do this first. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, eventually I got the epidural. That was amazing. It worked perfectly. And I got to fall asleep for a couple hours before they woke me up and were like, yeah, you're 10 centimeters dilated. Hooray. (laughs) So yeah, that all like went pretty, I mean, relatively quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And then was it just your husband that was with you? Yep. Yeah. And several nurses that were like (laughs) coming and going. All really awesome nurses. Yeah. Did you ever, did you consider a doula at all during your pregnancy? I I mean, I had heard of a doula, but I didn't really know much about it until after. So like in for next time, I, I kind of am definitely thinking about it, <laughs> um, but I didn't really know what they did. <laughs> gotcha. 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 And then do you feel like you said that the nurses were there and everybody treated you well and respectfully and all that stuff? Yeah, I thought the nurses were awesome. Like... They were so helpful, like if I needed anything or if I didn't know what was going on, like they were really, I mean, there was only, I think it was just the, me and that other woman in the birth center while we were there. So they, you know, they they weren't super busy. That was probably helpful. (laughs) So they felt really attentive. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, really they should be, be attentive no matter how many patients there are, but it certainly helps when it's not as, as, as busy. So (laughs) so that's great. And you never felt like you were, did you ever feel coerced or like, I don't know, pressure to do anything that you didn't want to do? Um, not really. Like I did, like they did seem like they kind of were trying to lean me towards getting induced during the night. But they were very respectful when I was like, nope, I'm still good. <laughs> but they like they uh, like the doctor kept mentioning it and being like, OK, but yeah. So, I mean, and it wasn't really even him as much as the fact that he kept mentioning it made my husband be like, are you sure we should listen to the doctor? And I was like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, <laughs> but 
I thought they were really respectful. So. Okay. Okay. Good. That's good to know. So no complaints. It sounds like about your care. Um, no. Yeah. Okay. So then you got completely dilated and then it was time to push. Yeah. I mean, I guess I fell asleep for a while. So then I think I started pushing at like 11 a.m. the next day. And I don't know, I pushed for two and a half hours or so. <laughs> okay. Which actually for a first baby with, with the epidural is not bad. Okay. I have no idea. I was like, this feels really long. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I had the epidural, which I think was working well, there was like this weird spot on my hip that would, every time I had a contraction, I felt like extreme pain in that spot. And my doctor was like, well, that's good. You know, you're having a contraction. I was like, yeah, but it sucks. <laughs> right. So yeah. I don't We call that a hot spot. Okay. Like, is that? Like, where some, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where sometimes you just have a spot where there's just not great coverage. Okay. Yeah. So th- I did feel things, but <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, I know they always say you kind of like forget how bad it was. So now I'm saying it wasn't that bad, but I feel like it was pretty bad. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. And then pushing, you felt like the nurse was with you and helping you. Yeah. She had one of my legs the whole time and my (laughs) husband had the other. Oh, I did get really, actually the night before, before I got the epidural and after when I was pushing, I got really nauseous a couple of times and I threw up a couple of times. I don't know if that's like a normal thing that happens, but super common. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) And at one point, the nurse was like, oh, sometimes it helps to like rub a, like an alcohol swab under your nose and that will take away the nausea, which did the opposite for me. Okay. I like peed as soon as she did that. Oh, I was like, nope, didn't help. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for trying. <laughs> so yeah, I, it was kind of rough, but in between contractions, I felt fine, which I'm sure is pretty standard. And there was like a solid five minutes in between every one of my contractions so in between, I just felt like we were just all sitting around. So at one point, I was like, can we put the TV on? Right, right. <laughs> so we watched like a Friends marathon the whole time <laughs> I was in labor. <laughs> and it was the episodes where Rachel is pregnant. So I was like, oh, here we are. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I pushed for like two and a half hours, which to me felt like forever. And I give my doctor a lot of credit. This, the, So the woman who ended up delivering my baby was the same woman who broke my water. She came back for her next shift and I really liked her, but she didn't like, I feel like she never gave me any false hope. Like she wasn't like, you're almost there. And I wanted her to say that, but I think she was like, you're not almost there. I'm not going to tell you that. So I really, I appreciated that in the end, but I was like, can she just like, tell me how far it is? Like, when's this thing going to come out? (laughs) And at one point she asked if I wanted to try the vacuum. I was like, yes, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Anything. Okay. So she tried that. And I mean, obviously I wasn't, couldn't really see, but my husband said she was like pulling on it so hard that her arm was shaking. And at one point it the vacuum flew off his head and she went backward. And I thought, I was like, did he come out? (laughs) That was not the case. That, yeah, that is called, this is so interesting to me hearing you describe the, the experience from the other side that is called, um, a pop off when Uh, the vacuum literally (laughs) pops off the baby's head. I was like, maybe he came out. (laughs) She was like, no, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
she just like went flying. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So then she, I don't know if she just felt like it wasn't working, but she was like, I'm going to put the vacuum down. You got this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she also gave me an episiotomy. I think she cut me twice. So this was a part I was really unclear about. After the fact, like I, I listened to a lot of like birth story podcasts and as such. And I like have now heard that episiotomies aren't really done very routinely anymore. So I was like, wow, mm-hmm. she just like went for it and like didn't even ask me. So I didn't know if that was normal, but it's not normal. Well, I take that back. It's <laughs> unfortunately for some people, it is normal not to ask, but it should not be. Um, and episiotomy is not that routine at all anymore. Uh, cause it's, it's mostly unnecessary. Yeah. So I just like, now I just keep thinking like, what would have happened if she didn't do that? Like, would it have been easier to recover? Because, oh my gosh, it was so painful after. And I had a friend who actually gave birth the day before me and she just tore. And I remember like seeing her post a picture online one day of her wearing jeans. And I was like, how did you put jeans on? Like I could barely like handle wearing like big giant shorts, just Nothing touching that area. (laughs) Right. It was just too much. (laughs) So I was like, oh, that must have been why, because I had an episiotomy and she just got to tear naturally. I assume that's like why her recovery wasn't quite as bad. (laughs) So did she, so I guess, so she put the vacuum on and then she said, okay, well, never mind. How much longer did you push before Conrad was here? I feel like that was like in the middle. So I want to say like maybe another hour. Really? I think so. It's a little bit of a blur, but I know okay, it, it was okay. a while. It wasn't like a couple more pushes or anything. Like it was definitely a while. Okay. And then when did she, when do you feel like she cut the episiotomy? Like right as he was being born? No, she def she did it twice. And I think once was after the vacuum. And then once might've been a little closer to him being born like I, I don't, they were a little spaced out and I don't remember exactly when, but it was definitely kind of like in the second half of pushing. And you remember like seeing her with the scissors or yeah, she, she like announced it, but she didn't ask me. So I knew she was doing it. And I guess I didn't think, you know, I was like in the middle of giving, <laughs> giving birth. I didn't think to be like, no, 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 please don't do that. I just kind of, I mean, at that point I was kind of like, get the baby out, do whatever. Right, right, right. So she was just like, I'm going to do an episiotomy. Yeah. Okay. My mouth is kind of hanging open. (laughs) I mean, just because this is just not typically how, I mean, obviously I don't see a lot of other doctors and how they deliver, but usually it's like right at the end when baby is crowning and maybe you need a little extra room for baby to come quicker. Yeah, I think the second one was at the end. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But she had she had definitely sent me twice and once was a little earlier. Okay. Well that that is um that is not typical. I will say that. Yeah. That is not typical. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I will say that it should not have been like I'm gonna do an episiotomy. It should have been a discussion, especially if it's not an emergency. Yeah, I I mean, as far as I know, it wasn't an emergency. Right. Well, it, I can tell you it's not if you were allowed to, if you, I shouldn't say allowed, or if they, like, if you pushed for another, any length of 30 minute, you know, period of yeah. time, then it wasn't an emergency. Yeah. And like, they kept, you know, every so often they would, 
I don't know if you could hear these messages I'm getting. <laughs> Every so often they would check, um, like check the baby's heartbeat and stuff and he was always fine. So I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember talking to my husband after and being like, you know, I've actually heard and read that it's not common to get an episiotomy. I don't know like why she did that. And I mean, he doesn't know either, but he kind of like made me feel better because he was like, well, would you rather have them done that or had a C-section? I was like, well, I guess I'd rather have an episiotomy, but was that really like what it was between? (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Okay. So then I guess let's talk about the moment when he was born and then um, how you feel about the experience now. So what was it like when he finally came out? Uh, well, it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, he came out and they put him right on, on top of me and like I started bawling basically. Uh, and I don't know, it was, it was just really exciting and I like felt amazing and that whole like flood of like, Oh, I'm done. And here's my baby. So that was really exciting. Um, yeah, that all just feels like such a like rush, like not that they rushed me, but just like, like a, like a rush of excitement. That's what I meant. So he, yeah, he was adorable. He was like perfect when he was born. Um, my husband got to hold him. They, they asked, they asked my husband a couple of times if he wanted to cut the cord and he said no every time. And they were like, are you sure you, sure you don't want to? And he was like, I really right. don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he got to hold him and he, so Conrad, took his first poop on my husband when he was holding him, (laughs) which was very sticky. (laughs) And my husband had to throw his shirt away. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like perfectly timed because I had like basically just given him the baby. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like I'm, I'm messy enough. (laughs) That is funny. That is funny. Well, like first poop on dad. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So then how was your recovery in the hospital? Oh yeah. So after he was born, we were like holding him. They brought, they like wheeled in the thing to weigh and measure him and all that stuff. So he didn't leave the room. And while this is all going on, the doctor's still like down there, uh, like trying to have my placenta come out. She like had me push a couple of times, but I was like so distracted. Like this was very minor <laughs> and she sewed me up, which I couldn't feel cause I still had the epidural. So all of whatever was going on down there, I like was pretty not like distracted. Like I wasn't paying yeah, attention. You were on the euphoria of my babies here. I didn't feel it, I, which I was happy about because I was like, oh, she's really stitching something up. <laughs> and yeah, I was just so excited to have the baby finally. So, um, so that all seemed fine. And I mean, overall, I, I didn't think anything was like out of the ordinary. I mean, and maybe it wasn't. Um, but like, you know, it, it hurt down there once the epidural wore off. And I remember the nurse like coming in and being like, okay, you have to go pee. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, so she like escorted me in to to pee, like, and showed me how to use the Perry bottle and everything. And then I basically just got to like lay in bed for several days. They kept me there. um, Well, I mean, I went in on Thursday, but I had the baby on Friday and they kept me there till Sunday which coincidentally was Mother's Day. So that was. Aww. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I That seemed really nice. Like they were really helpful with the baby. They were really helpful with um, helping me breastfeed. And 
they would like at night, they'd offer to take the baby to the nursery for a few hours if I went to sleep. And I was like, yeah, you could do that. That sounds great. So overall, like that whole experience was awesome. I thought. Okay, good, good. And you felt like breastfeeding was going okay? Yeah. I mean, it was really hard (laughs) at first. I mean, it seemed okay. They were having me pump, I guess, like to get some milk flowing, I'm assuming. Like, I don't know. I don't know what what was the baby was getting when he was trying to latch to me. I think he kept falling asleep. And so they had me pump and I was getting like small amounts of colostrum and they were syringe feeding him that after. So I was like, they were having me try to feed him for I forget how long and then pump right after that every three hours, which is pretty exhausting throughout the night. That is but, exhausting. <laughs> but and they never I really appreciated that they never once were like, you should give him some formula to like supplement or like you're not really making anything. You should give him formula. They never suggested that. So I never even thought like, I don't know, I guess they didn't make me feel worried that he wasn't getting anything. They're like, he's fine. He's like, this is plenty. His stomach is the size of a marble. Like he's great. <laughs> so I, yeah, I really liked that. They're very pro breastfeeding. Okay. Okay. Good, 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 good. And then physically, you said you were just in a lot of discomfort. How long did that last? At least, well, I was, I felt like it really hurt for like a week. And then the second week, it wasn't quite as bad, but still kind of hurt. And then I I think after like about two weeks, it was pretty okay. But for the first like week after, I was like limping around my house, (laughs) like ice packs around the clock. Like I was like, man, how do people, this is painful. (laughs) Right. Wow. All things like the dermaplast, which I didn't really like because I felt like it was like weird, had like a weird film. I don't know. And like witch hazel, witch hazel pads. Yeah. I was like rotating all these things on and it was, I just found it to be incredibly painful, but I thought like, oh, this must be whatever. This must be normal. Right. Right. Were you taking pain medicine? Yeah. They gave me um, just like 800 milligram ibuprofen, but I, I definitely took that for like two weeks straight. (laughs) Okay. 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 And then did, do you recall her saying what type of tear you had or anything like that? Like a number to it? No. Um, and I did ask her one point, like how many stitches did I get? And she said, well, I wouldn't really worry about how many, it was more like a seam. And I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) So I had no idea. Yeah, it's like we use one long stitch and kind of put it all together. So it's not like individual stitches. Yeah, so uh, clearly that analogy doesn't (laughs) translate well. I thought, I like, in my mind, she was saying, there's so many stitches, you might as well not worry about it. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And and then when did you have your postpartum visit? Um, At six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Do you feel like that was too long? Yeah, I kind of do. Because by, I mean, at that point, like I felt pretty okay. But like before that, and I, I I don't know, I'm not one to really complain. I always think like this must be what it's like. Like I've never had a baby before, but I feel like early before that would have probably been better because I would have liked to be like, is this healing okay? Like, does this, does this look right? (laughs) But I just was like, well, it's getting better every day. So it must be fine was kind of what I figured, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have hated if they recommended a sooner appointment. Gotcha. Like with it, I mean, and we're, 
getting better. We're trying to say women should be, we should touch bases with women, whether on the phone or in person within the first three weeks after birth, especially for first time moms. I did. I mean, this, I guess this isn't the same, but the um, lactation consultants called me a bunch of times and like texted me, which I kind of thought was awesome to check on how that was going. But yeah, I don't think anyone checked on me personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you feel like, did you have any trouble with postpartum depression? Um, no, I actually, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. My, <laughs> I think because I brought it to his attention, my husband was like really like on top of it. He'd always be like, how are you feeling? How's everything going? Are you happy? Do you, feel like I'm helping enough. And I was like, I'm fine. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I appreciated it. But at the same time, I was like, you're being a little overkill. But gotcha. no, he was good. Gotcha. And they, like, at my, at the pediatrician's office, they make you fill out a form every single time you go in. Just, I mean, I, I think that's great. I just, and I've never had a problem. So I'm like, I wonder, like, what the process is if I did answer a question that, like, flagged them. I'm just curious. So I don't really know what that, what would happen, yeah. but yeah. So we end up referring to either a counselor or a psychiatrist or that makes sense. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Ideally we should have resources connected. Some communities have better resources than others, but um, there should definitely be like what to do next if somebody does need help. Yeah. There is like a support group at my hospital. Like I've seen signs for it, but I don't really know much else about it other than that. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. And then at your postpartum checkup, did you see the doctor who did the delivery or somebody else? I did see my doctor who did the delivery. Um, and I, I mean, I, again, like I really like, she's a, like a nice person and like, I liked her, but that was interesting how she just said, how's everything going? Do you want me to check out like what it looks like down there? And I was like, I mean, I guess not. It seems fine. And so she never checked anything. <laughs> okay. 
That's interesting. Which is also sort of my fault, but I, I guess I kind of just. It's not your fault. Like you don't, I think we forget, like we do this hundreds of times for you. It is like your first time. Right. (laughs) And you know, we should be able to provide women guidance. So this is definitely really eye opening. I think in some ways we think like we're doing, maybe we need to ask a different question or ask it a different way or just say, Hey, like, let me just take a peek and make sure everything looks okay. It doesn't have to be like, you can just look from the outside. Usually you don't have to look all on the inside, but okay. So, and so you were kind of felt like, well, if she's saying that I don't have to do it, then I don't. mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess she was like, does everything like feel okay? Like, do you like, does everything feel fine? I was like, well, yeah, it does. So she was like, okay, well, I don't have to look down there. I was like, oh, okay. Which seemed kind of weird, but I guess I just got like nervous and was like, she's saying it's probably fine. (laughs) Right, right, right. And then did you, what were your thoughts during that six weeks or when you saw her about the episiotomy? Um, I know, I think at that point I still didn't realize that it was like so uncommon. Like, I think it took me a while to be like, to for it to like really sink in that like that didn't need to happen. Like I think it took me a, a while, a couple of months. <laughs> okay. Okay. Did you have any I don't know what the right word is. Not guilt, but just like being angry even or like frustrated or just confused or how did that um, make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I'm not I wasn't really that angry about it. Like I guess I kind of just and I mean, I know that I know now that probably it's not how it should have gone, but I was like, well, I know better for next time. And like, that's fine. Cause I think my husband, and I would like another kid. And I was like, you know what, next time I'm going to make sure that they, that I talk about that in my birth plan or whatever I have to do to make sure like that doesn't happen again. And I, I don't know. I just, I think I just am the type of person that doesn't really dwell on things that I can't change. So I just want to think about what I can do next time is kind of my thought. Gotcha. But it does seem like, and I'm not trying to stir up any controversy or anything. I'm just trying to get an honest assessment of how you feel, but it does seem like it, it bothers you. Yeah, it definitely did bother me. I just, I feel like it wasn't to the point where I was going to like say anything or Mm -hmm. complain to the hospital or anything like that, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And while I'm thinking about it, was she an older physician by chance or? I mean, I don't think she was that old. My, if I were to guess, she was probably, I mean, I guess she's probably like in her fifties. So not, not like especially old. Right. 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 Yeah. It tends to be physicians that are older who do episiotomies, at least in my experience, more routinely, because that's how they were trained. Um, and sometimes it's harder for them to let go of that. So that doesn't entirely surprise me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, out of the four doctors at that office, the three of them were like f- kind of older. Um, and one of them was pretty young. Seem- like I bet she was around my like 30. <laughs> um, but she, I, I didn't see her while I was giving, I think she checked on me once when I was in labor. So that okay. was about it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And, um, so overall, how do you feel about your experience? I mean, I like what, if I think back overall, I have a really positive view of how it went. Cause like overall I was, I was very happy. I got to have a vaginal birth 
Uh, I was happy that I got an epidural and that I didn't have any like negative effects from that. I was happy my baby came out like perfectly healthy. And also that he was born like precisely on time for me to get my like exact amount of maternity leave. (laughs) Right, right. So yeah, I mean, and I really liked the hospital. I thought all the nurses were amazing. Everyone was just super nice and respectful. So overall, I have a really positive view of it. And like, would I'm certainly planning on having my next kid there if if that works out. Gotcha. But it sounds like you still have some, you would do things a little yeah. bit different the next time. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's helpful to kind of know what to expect next time. <laughs> Except I'm still like, wow, what if next time I have a kid, I go into labor on my own, like at my house, which is what I thought was going to happen. But I'm like, this time I might not really know what that means. (laughs) It'll be the same, like how your contractions started ramping up in the hospital, except you'd be at home. Yeah. I just think it's like that whole, I feel like they talk about this a lot, like in the birthing class and stuff, like when you should decide to go to the hospital. And I was like, I didn't have to think about that. I was already there. Right. So this time I'll be like, should we go now? Right. Now the time? (laughs) It's like one of my really good friends had had a baby like five months earlier and she, it was her third baby, but for some reason she kept showing up at the hospital. They kept sending her home. They were like, well, you're not really far along enough yet. And so I think that happened. They sent her home like two or three times. And then the last time she had gone home, she, I guess, was, I, I don't know how the details, but they tried to get back to the hospital and she ended up having her baby in the car on the side of the highway. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, so she had told me that story like not too long ago and I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, well, that was your third kid. That probably won't happen to me, but like, why did they send you away? Like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of freaked For, me out a little bit. <laughs> I, I can understand. For first babies, I have not seen that happen. But for a third kid, things can go like quick. And obviously they did for her. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It, she was like, oh, it was like a 15 minute drive to the hospital. We did not make it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> sometimes when babies, I hate to, I don't want to like scare anybody, but sometimes when babies come like fast and furious like that, there's not, it doesn't matter. You could be wherever the baby's just going to come. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> there's not a whole lot to interrupt that process, obviously. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, man, I mean, she, um, does she has unmedicated birth like all of her births were unmedicated so I I knew like that wasn't really a thing for her but I was like if that happened to me and I couldn't get an epidural oh my god I was like I guess I'd survive it sounds like it was really quick but that just that like freaked me out too <laughs> right 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 well you did great getting to seven centimeters without an epidural yeah I guess I just didn't I didn't know and it seemed like I mean this didn't really bother me but it seemed like none of the nurses believed how much pain I was in like they were like you seem fine and I was like I guess it how much how much more worse does it like bad does it get like does anyone can anyone explain this to me so I just (laughs) kept thinking like it must get much worse and then they were like wow you're like way further along than we thought (laughs) I was like oh okay (laughs) everyone expresses pain differently and it sounds like you don't express it very like you weren't like screaming yeah. or yeah. I yeah, was like you're more clenching. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like quietly. <laughs> right, right, right. And so they didn't see some of those cues or signs that maybe things were progressing. Yeah. Um, 
faster than they realized, obviously. Yeah. So I, I was like pretty proud of myself when they told me I was at seven centimeters. I was like, I made it pretty far. I'm ready. You I'm ready for did. The <laughs> yes. Yes. I will put in a tiny plug. If you next time, if you want to go the distance, I'm sure you could. Oh my gosh. I, I, I know. It's part of me, like, again, I have no, like, I don't have anything against epidurals, but part of me feels like it'd be really badass to like do it without it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if, you, if you got to seven, the rest of it is is usually not that long. So I, I'll put that plug in your ear. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that is something to think about. <laughs> oh, alrighty. So overall, happy with your experience. Yeah. Um, but then if you had to pick something that you weren't happy about, it would be the episiotomy part. Yeah, for sure. Which I'm glad I like know now. And um, so let's just to wrap up, what is your favorite piece of advice that you would give to other women as they get ready for their birth? I mean, I know not everybody can be like really just open to anything, but that would be my advice. Just like don't try to over plan because and I'm sure this is like I've, I've heard other people give this advice a hundred times, but it really truly is like the best advice I think is that you, you can't plan your birth like to the minute at all. So just accept that and be open to like things changing in your plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Birth is an unpredictable right. process. But I Babies didn't even really the- have a plan, which I, I don't know if, if you could be that type of person, I'm not, I'm not a super planner per se. <laughs> so if you can just not have a plan, I felt like that was kind of nice because I just like everything seemed like it was going the way it should. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So maybe not have um, a rigid plan, but maybe have an idea of what to expect. Do you think? Oh or... yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it would be nice to know like what common practices are so that I could be like, please don't cut me open. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where can, are you online anywhere or anything? Um, I have Instagram. Um, It's a J Cole 2230, I think. Okay. I'm I'm also private on Instagram, but that's only because I'm a teacher and I don't want any of my students. Oh yeah. It's not like, don't, I'm not yeah, opposed. my family is teachers. I understand. You can't be <laughs> when teachers have to hide online. Oh yeah, it's AJ Cole two three zero. So I mean, as long as you're not one of my students, I will happily accept uh, a friend request. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being here, and we'll have to hear what happens when you get pregnant again and how the birth goes the next time around. I'm nervous, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like after, you know, when my, the the memory starts to fade and the next thing you know, you're like, well, it's not that, that bad. And now they're sleeping through the night. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, baby number two. Yeah. And um, our son starts sleeping through the night, like perfectly at three months and he still does. So I feel like we're a little spoiled there. <laughs> like sleeping all the way through the night? Yeah. He sleeps from like eight to 7 a.m. Oh my God. And has ever ever since three months. (laughs) Nice. That is very nice. Yes. I do not know what, what happened. It was like a fluke. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The door is open for, for the next time around for sure. It could even be more like eventful, but hopefully not too eventful. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. Well, you take care. Amy. All 
right. So wasn't that a great episode? I love Amy's attitude about how she has really just a positive and upbeat and looking forward kind of attitude about things. I think that's a really great perspective on how to approach life. Now, you know that after every episode, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top three or four takeaways from the episode in the conversation. So here are Nicole's Notes on my episode with Amy. All right, number one, I love that Amy stuck to what she felt was right for her during her labor and birth. She knew that she wanted an epidural and she went with an epidural. And then the harder part is that she stuck with her instinct of holding off on being induced. Now, I'm not saying that not being induced is better than being induced. What I'm saying is that it's good to take in all the information. And in Amy's case, she took in all the information about how her water was broken, but she wasn't quite in labor yet. She could wait. She could not wait. And then she checked in with her instincts and what her inner voice was telling her. And she went with what felt best for her when she took all of that information in. Now, sometimes that can be hard. Like Amy mentioned, her husband said, don't you want to just listen to the doctor? And, you know, he probably wasn't doing that to be like difficult or anything. I get why people want to do that or have that sentiment. You don't want to seem like a troublemaker. You think this is the doctor. This is what they're saying. But it's important that you take your intuition into account. We have it for a reason. And this can be hard when the person you're dealing with is nice. Amy also talked about repeatedly how the doctor was a nice person. But I think it's always great if you're having some hesitation or some um, concern about something to just step back for a second and check in with yourself and see how you feel. Now, you need to do that in the context of getting a broader sense of the information in general. And that's where that brain acronym comes in handy. If you haven't heard it before, let me tell you what that is. So brain is whenever someone is presenting an option to you for what to do during your pregnancy and birth, the brain acronym is B, ask for what are the benefits? R is what are the risks? A, what are the alternatives? I is what is your instinct telling you? What is, um, you know, your intuition telling you? And then N is what happens if we do nothing. So check in with those things, check in with your intuition. I think it's an important thing um, to do and to utilize. We have that voice for a reason. All right. Number two, episiotomy. Amy's story about episiotomy. Episiotomy should never, ever, ever be done without consent. Now, obviously, Amy has made peace with what happened to her with the episiotomy, and she knows how to approach it next time. But let me tell you, these stories of episiotomies being cut without consent really infuriate me every single time I hear them. It's such a prime example of how we devalue women's rights to make choices about what happens to their own bodies. And it's something that's so invasive. I mean, it's literally cutting a woman's body. And the truth is, it really does not take that long to explain why an episiotomy might be necessary. The few times that I've done an episiotomy, and I haven't done, done one, gosh, in probably 
and I know over a year. It doesn't take that long to explain. Usually it's when the heart rate is low and baby needs to be born quickly and it, you know, may go something like, Hey, Sarah, your baby's heart rate is dangerously low. We need your baby to go ahead and be born. So I'd like to cut a small episiotomy in order to make more space for your baby to be born quicker. When I explain that, everybody's like, okay, I get it. Baby's heart rate is low. Baby needs to come out. Let's do it. Let's get it done. So it doesn't take that long to explain. And if someone doesn't explain why an episiotomy is being done, then it's probably because they know that there's not a medical reason why it should be done, that they're just trying to speed up the process of birth. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is don't stay in environments that are unsupportive. So in Amy's case, she talked about how some of the Facebook groups she was in were unsupportive, um, how some of the Facebook groups were like mom shaming and things like that. Do not stay in environments like that. Another example of staying in an environment that's unsupportive is sticking with a provider who you know does not fit your philosophy for birth or isn't really attentive to your needs. Please don't stay in that sort of unsupportive environment. Change if you need to. So if you need a new provider, find a new provider. There are other Facebook groups out there. I will talk about my own Facebook group all about pregnancy and birth. It's a great no judgment, no shaming zone. We have about 800 women in the group now, and it's a really supportive environment. The community manager, Keisha, does not tolerate any foolishness, judgment, or shaming. Thankfully, we haven't had that pop up, but I can tell you if we did, then those members would not be allowed to stay in the group. I also don't tolerate judgment or shaming as well. So really a supportive community. It's all about pregnancy and birth. You can find that on Facebook and I'll link that up in the show notes as well. All right. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you leave a review in Apple podcast, it helps other women find the show. Of course, I love to hear what you think about the show and it helps the show to grow. I also do shout outs on episodes of folks who leave me a review. So please do that. If you feel like you appreciate what I'm doing here, I would love to hear about it in one of those reviews. Also, don't forget about my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works. Over 1,000 women have gone through the class in just the last month or so and found it very, very helpful with that updated information, giving birth during our COVID-19 times. You can register for the class at ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. It's an on-demand class offered several times a day, so do check that out. Now, next week on the podcast, I have Alice Turner. Alice is a doula and childbirth educator, and her work focuses specifically on getting partners ready for their role as a support person. So this will be a really informative episode. So do come on back next week for that. And until then, I wish you a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, ncrcoaching.com, to get even more great info, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. 
You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan, as well as everything you need to know about the birth preparation course. Again, that's ncrcoaching.com and I will see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.